the Remarkable People podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Remarkable People podcast, episode 48, the Do You Know Mama Margot episode. So my question to you is, do you know Mama Margot? Mama Margot is the host and founder of the podcast Military Murder. It's one of the top military murder podcasts. No, it's one of the top true crime podcasts, and it's exceptional. I was not even a true crime enthusiast, and I met Margot back in March at the PodFest Expo down in Orlando. Um, we became quick friends because she's got just this great outgoing New England personality, and then I started listening to her podcast, and I was hooked. So if you like military murders, you know, those suspense shows and whodunits, you got to check out Military Murder. But this episode isn't just about her podcast. It's about Mama Margot. So do you know her? Do you listen to her podcast already? And you really don't know too much about her personal side? Well, this is where you can hear Mama Margot's remarkable journey. This is a two-first special episode. Not only are we going to go through Margot's remarkable life, but we're also going to transition at the end into a how to podcast tip episode, part of our podcasting made easy curriculum. And then we're also going to give you a special offer at the end. So get your pen and paper unless you're driving. Get ready to learn. Get ready to have your heart touched. Get ready to be inspired because Margot talks about so many different topics about growing up poor about having a positive attitude, about how learning from other people's mistakes, not just successes, and so much more. How her and her husband are both in the military, yet they have a remarkable and growing family with two beautiful daughters, and how she's able to live her passion through the podcast and transition into a new life. So welcome to the Remarkable People podcast. Episode 48, The Marma Margo Story. Enjoy. Hello, friends. This is David Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast. And today we have a special treat. We're doing a hybrid episode with our friend, Marma Margo. Margo, how are you today? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm fantastic. And just so the listeners know, just so you know as a listener, Margo and I met back before COVID, if you can believe that. It seems like ages yep. ago. Yep. So we met at PodFest in, was it February, March? It was beginning of March, actually. End of February, beginning of March. Yeah, end of February, beginning of March. And I think we were both like commuting on the bus and we met and talked. And then we ran into each other a couple of times during the show. And yep. then she gave me a sticker. 
And if you ever like the Remarkable People podcast sticker, that's Margot's idea. So give her a hand, right? <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so I took, I threw out almost everybody. I seriously think I threw out almost everybody's material I got. Cause you know, you got to go home and you got all this stuff you're carrying with you, but I kept her sticker and I went back and I'm not a true crime enthusiast. So she has military murder, a true crime podcast, but I thought she was a great girl, sharp, man. She's got stickers. I'm like, I want to check this out. No joke. I drove home and listened to episode after episode. She's phenomenal. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that because my she's my guest, but if you like military murders, if you like true crime, even if you don't, it's just kick butt. And it's you got to listen to it and check it out. Thank I told you. her this and I mean it, Margo. I really think you could be syndicated like that. So hopefully we can help you do that. Some big network picks you up. and Awesome. Yeah, we got Mama Mago across the globe even more. That's the dream, right? Hey, I think it's going to be reality for you. Just remember us when, when you're huge and we're little. So That's with, awesome. with all that said, on the Remarkable People podcast, Margo's tru- Margo tr- <clears throat> truly is remarkable. So Margo, how our show works is you come on, you share your story, just you know, like what your background's like, maybe some struggles you went through and some practical steps of how you overcame it. And then we'll transition to where you are today and where you're going so we can help you. And then we're going to do this as a special hybrid part where we're not going to just do a podcast episode, but for our podcasting made easy class, we're going to do a quick Q and a with the expert. She's the queen. (laughs) You know, if you have over 50 reviews on your podcast, that doesn't sound like much, but that's actually difficult. And you're in the top 10% of podcasts in the world. Margo, last I looked, you were over 500. By now, you might be over 600, right? I'm close to it. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's awesome. <laughs> I know. That's huge. So, you know, you that's quite the accomplishment. So if you're into podcasting, not only are you going to be able to learn from Margo, not only are you going to be able to grow as a listener, even if you're not into podcasting, but at the end, she's going to give us some expert tips in different areas. Okay? So, Margo, nobody wants to hear me. They're here for you. I'm going to shut up share your remarkable story. Awesome. Well, I told my husband before coming on, I was like, I'm going to be on the remarkable people podcast, but you know, I don't feel very remarkable. I'm kind of basic, (laughs) but I think, I think that's how a lot of people think, right? They think that their story isn't worthy, but I am a big believer in hearing people's stories and taking tidbits from everyone's story and making it my own and seeing how it can make me grow, right? How I can be a better person. <clears throat> so, I mean, just a little bit about me. I'm uh, my background is I'm from New Jersey, born and raised. So I'm a Jersey girl <laughs> by heart. Love the Jersey shore. Everyone's always judging me. I'm like, don't judge me. It's like my guilty pleasure to watch <laughs> reality TV. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> now, did you know I'm from Boston? You are? That's yeah, awesome. so we have yep. fundamental connection and, and, and like war, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, we, we just, uh, I feel like people from the Northeast are just filled with so much personality. We're kind of the people that you either love us or you hate us. You know what I mean? And then people who hate us want to love us and they're, and they always try and find a way, you know, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're also very funny. lovable. But I think, uh, I think sometimes we just may be a little bit too honest. So, <laughs> but so, so let me see, I guess growing up, a lot of people, my listeners don't know this. So if, if they listen to this, they'll get to learn a little bit more, but my mom had me when she was 14. So imagine being born to a 14 year old, like freshman in high school is a, is a kind of a crazy story, you know? And my husband always tells me, he's like, that's pretty remarkable that you've done the things that you've done being born to like a 14 year old. And to me, it's just, that's the way my life was. I didn't know anything different. But my mom, 
I come from a Puerto Rican and Colombian background and you know, the, Wow, those are strong women. Puerto Rican and Colombian. <laughs> I know. Don't get her mad. I know. That's what my husband says. But the Latino culture is very, very much like uh, it takes a village, you know? And so my grandmother really picked up. And for the most part, she, in addition to my mom, raised me. You know, my mom was just a kid. <laughs> So as much as you can play with a doll until you get bored with it, you know, my grandma picked up where, where my mom just couldn't because of how young she was. But I think that that being raised by my grandmother and then also seeing the struggles that my mom went through as a teenager, having a kid, I think that really helped me to want to be more, you know what I mean? I grew up in an inner city. I mean, we were living in section eight housing and we were using food stamps. And so for me, I, everyone always asked me, well, well, how did you, you know, how did you know? And I was just like, I don't know. Cause all my friends weren't, they didn't use paper money, you know, like food stamps. And so I remember thinking like one day I'm not, I'm not going to use that. And I'm not going to rely on that type of assistance. And, and it's nothing against people who do and need it. But that in me, when I, I don't know, I must've been like nine years old or 10 years old. I just knew that that's not what I want. I wanted to kind of get out of the inner city. And so I basically just built towards that. Yeah. And I know exactly. I grew up very similar. And really? I remember, I don't know about you, but we had it where there was a certain section where everybody accepted it and they just lived in the, mm -hmm. they just, that's, they knew that mentality and they accepted it. And right. then you had the other side where they just made fun of you. And I remember standing yes. in line with the school lunch tickets because mm -hmm. I was single mom too, and yep. too poor. And I remember just being humiliated. And I think, I don't know if you had a better attitude, you're just turning it. But back then I'm like, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I never want to be poor. I want to yeah. do everything I can. And there's nothing against poverty. Right. But if you can better yourself to get out, I just didn't want to accept that existence. And I hated it. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah. I loathed it. Is that how 100%, you felt? Exactly. You just said it exactly. It was a yeah. feeling. I never, I never demonstrated it on the outside. I never showed my family that I was unnecessarily embarrassed of it, but yeah, I love internalized them. You love them. Yeah. it. Right. I internalized it. And I was like, I never want to be like that. You know, like I never want to have to rely on that. I want to be able to do it on my own. And so, I mean, and my dad, you know, my dad was always around. So he was, he was 16. So he was young, but he was always around and he was always giving me stuff. And it's kind of funny because my, my dad would, he was always a hardworking man and he would give me like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what age I was, maybe like 12 on he would give me like a hundred dollars or he would tell me, I want to buy you these hundred dollar Nikes. And I was like, no, I was like, why don't you just give me the money? You know, I, I just give me the money. And I was young. I was so young. How did I know this? And I would take the money and I would buy, you know, I would buy lots of clothes. You know, I would buy, you know, five pairs of pants and five t-shirts and I would have five new outfits versus just getting one pair of sneakers. So that was something also that my grandmother taught me, even though we lived in poverty, she taught me how to kind of divvy up my money, how to, you know, budget for things. And if it wasn't in the budget, we just didn't do it. And so that for me, um, until this day, and then we'll get into like my, <laughs> my, what happened after that. But yeah, I mean, I, I learned a lot from her. So I got, I got pretty lucky. I would say that my grandmother was pretty frugal. Cause there, you know, there's some people who may accept assistance and may kind of splurge on things that they don't need. And I never lived that lifestyle. So, so that really taught me how to kind of be a better person, I think in the, in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you appreciate more and you work hard to earn it.
-hmm. And again, I'm not talking anybody who needs it. That's what it's there for intended. Sadly, though, we live in a system where it's mainly abused. And and I just didn't want to be labeled like that, like you. And that's great that your mom and dad were there. But then you also had that wisdom of the grandmother teaching you the budgeting and teaching you how instead of one pair of cool shoes, you got five outfits. That's great, right? right? (laughs) That's awesome. I'm sure your husband loves that. I'm sure continued to today. That's a great character. Yeah. And so, so basically we went from there. So, and, and another thing that I knew, and I'm not sure how my, 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 my parents didn't go to college or anything like that, but I kind of, from a young age, maybe it was from watching TV shows or whatever, but I was like, I want to go to college. I want to do something where I want to get out and I want to go to college. And so I always I kind of, even though I wasn't an only child because my mom, once she graduated from high school, she got married to her husband and my dad got married to his wife. And then they, they went on to have kids, but I ended up staying with my grandmother and I was basically kind of an only child, but also with the experience of being the oldest child, because my mom had four other kids and my my dad had two. And so I always felt like I had to be a role model to them. But I also kind of, like I said, uh, I wanted to do this for myself and I wanted to be the first to go to college or whatever it was. So I always kind of like stuck my, my nose in the books and I did that. And my parents encouraged me to do extracurricular activities. So basketball, softball, but then finally I found my true passion, which was theater and acting and doing all of that. So that was a lot of fun for me in high school. More of the currents being pulled back. That's how you have this awesome. dramatic. <laughs> ah, all right. Yep, you, you know, what's yep. funny. I wrote down in my notes, only child question mark. Cause you're, what you're describing, I hear that a lot. So you were an only child in the sense you grew up with your grandma, but you had a mom and dad and step or half brothers and sisters. Yes. Would you say, again, there's things we're born with and there's things that are learned and there's things we develop. But would you say for you, for Margot, do you feel like you grew up and you're always a little different or wired differently? Like you're more like, like you said, like concerned, like, I just don't want to blow a hundred bucks. I want to use it well. Like did God just naturally put that in you? You think where you, you weren't like the normal kid? Like just yeah. being reckless. Do you feel like that? Or am I, or am I reading <laughs> I too much into it? No, no, no. I think 100%. And I think when you said, did God just put, put that in you? So one of the things is I did grow up very religious, going to church a couple times a week. Sunday was like five hours of church a day, <laughs> every Sunday, you know, whereas like now my husband's like, it's like one, it's like one hour into church. And he's like, is this almost over? I'm like, let me take you back to my church. <laughs> um, but I do feel that I've always kind of had, I've always been blessed. Mind you, I did grow up in an inner city where lots of kids were getting pregnant, doing drugs, falling into alcoholism at a very young age. And for some reason, even though some of my friends were doing it, they just kind of knew that I wasn't going to do it. So they never pressured me. Like I never felt anything, any type of pressure. But then again, I am also very strong-willed where it's like, there's nothing you can do or say to me that's going to make me do something I don't want to do. And I think that's something that I was probably born with because my parents tell me, I mean, my kids are pretty, (laughs) pretty stubborn too, but they tell me, you know, from a very young age, I was like, I'm not going to eat that. (laughs) You know, whatever it was for me, it was peas. I, I hate peas since I was like little until now. I don't make my kids eat peas. Like it's just something I don't eat. And so everyone's like, oh, you know, your palate will grow. I'm like, no, if it's never grown for peas, I'm never going to like peas. <laughs> leave me alone. But I, I, I don't know. I think that part of my personality was something that I was born with, but then also maybe 
something that uh, I learned through, through church, how to kind of stand my ground and just be pretty stern in, in what I believe in. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so hearing you and the way that life, the journey was for you and I'm listening to characteristics and I just can't help but think that the strength for a child, you know, like it's, if you put a, a bowl of candy in front of a kid, they're going to want to eat it mm-hmm. a 99 out of hundred kids. But that one kid's like, nah, if I eat that, I'll get a stomach ache. I'll just stick to the boring stuff. Cause I know it's good for me. So it's like right. you had that one out of a hundred kind of mentality. And that's really awesome. We can all learn from it. The 99 rest of us. Yeah. Uh, one <laughs> of the things, one of the things that's really funny to tell my husband, I was like, ah, I should, I always, I, I want to write a book one day. I don't know, but I always, people always look at greatness. They look at people who have done amazing things and they strive to be like that. Right. That That's very awesome. That's amazing. And I think people should have a role model in their life that they should tr- try and strive through stri- strive to be. But I feel like in my life, I've always had I guess you can kind of say anti-role models. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in, I don't only look at people who have done amazing things and take that. I look at people who have screwed up (laughs) and are still struggling. And I realize, I, I realize, I try and like think about, okay, what part in their life did they do this or whatever? And I try and not be like that person in that instance. And I don't mean that in a negative way, you know, but for example, my big thing was my mom had me when she was 14. So growing up, I knew I do not want to have a child when I'm 14, because I know that the life is difficult. I got pretty lucky and not everyone is that lucky. So kind of, I strive to be anti my mom to a certain extent, because I didn't want to do that. But that was more because my mom would always tell me too. you know what I mean? Yep. She was trying to help you learn from her mistakes. Exactly. And so I think, it, I think what I like to teach people is it's not all about just who you want to be like, but also who you don't want to be like and strive to be better every single day, you know? And that's kind of how I am now. I do it as a, as a mom. I mean, you know, as a mom, there's certain things that I didn't like about my mom. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that, you know? And I strive to, you know, to be better. And that's fine. I think if my kids grow up and they want to, I want them to be better than me. I don't want them to be like me. I want them to do more awesome things. And so that's kind of what I do. And that's in everything. I mean, if it's in kind of like when I was looking into podcasting, I listened to a lot of podcasts before I even decided that I wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't really like how this person does this, or I don't really like how this person does this or, you know, whatever. And so then I use that to my advantage. Cause I was like, okay, how can I take what the really amazing podcasters are doing, make it my own. And then, and then stay away from what the people who are not doing so well are doing and try and kind of reinvent myself. Yeah, that's super wise. I mean, that's how in every area of business and life, that's how we grow the most. We look at who's doing it right. Right. What are they doing wrong and where can we make it improved and make it our own? So that's fantastic. So you're 14 years old now. Mm-hmm. Your mom's got kids. Your dad's got kids. You're with your grandma. Keep yep. the story going from there. Oh, okay. So my mom, <laughs> since my mom had me so young, she continued having kids. So she was 30, which is I didn't have my first kid till I was 32. So she had my brother when I was 14, her 
third her third kid and or sorry her fourth kid so 14 and 16 and so I got to kind of hang out with them and see and I was like I don't want to have kids for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> but I kept doing my thing so I, I was basically I hate to say this but I was an I was like an A student an A plus student and I also found a lot of mentors and my teachers and they kind of took me under their wing. And so junior year, I'm, t- I'm prepping for SATs. I'm doing all of that. So I get into my dream school, which happens to be Penn State for me because I visited the campus. It was beautiful. So we go out there. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm basically poor. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, I have a really great grades, but my SAT scores maybe aren't the best. So go to Penn state. I get, I get some scholarships, but not enough for out-of-state tuition. And um, my mom comes up to me and she, cause she, we went together. They kind of separate the kids and the parents and they say, okay, parents, you come to this thing and kids go here. And my mom comes and she goes, Hey, I don't think you're going to be able to afford this college unless you take out lots of loans. Like, you know, and I'm already like anti, like, I don't want to get into debt or whatever. And she comes out with this crazy idea, kind of. She goes, you should do this ROTC thing. And so when I tell you that I had like the biggest attitude, I was like, you are so crazy. I do not want to go to the military. And I basically go on this. I don't know. I was like 17 at the time, 17 year old rant. And she's just like, Whoa, okay, fine. Then, then you're going to have to figure out how you're going to do it. You know? (laughs) So I remember that summer going home and being, I had already graduated. And so I had, was thinking about, I was like, you know what, maybe I should enlist. I want to go to the, I'm going to go to the We'll go to the army reserves. So mind you, my whole thing was I wanted to go to college. I wanted to, that was my thing. I wanted to go to college. I was going to be the first to go to college or whatever my family. And so I end up uh, going to a recruiter's office and about to sign the dotted line for the army reserves. And I call my uncle who's a Marine and he goes, why would you join the army? You are He's basically going off. <laughs> yeah. Calling and, a Marine about the army. That usually happens. Yeah. He's, he's going off, but he basically is like, you know, you should just do ROTC. You know, they pay for, they help you pay for college and then you can become a military officer and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it was really funny. So my mom started the idea. I was going to go to the Army Reserves. I started looking into this ROTC thing. Penn State actually has every single branch of ROTC. They have Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, because it's a huge campus. And so I call them and they're like, hey, yeah, you can you can join the ROTC program, but the scholarships for this semester are basically closed. You can join for the first year. And if you're really competitive, you can you can, you can potentially get a scholarship, but it's basically like a, I don't know, like a 15% chance that you'll get it. And so I was like, 15%, there's a chance. <laughs> so, so that basically winner's mindset. Yeah. I know I was like, where, yeah, I got, I can do this. Why, why not? If, if it's 15, that means I got, I got this. So we basically, I get all these student loans. I get my scholarships all, you know, lined up and I go. And so then I, the whole time I'm thinking like, how am I going to be able to afford this? Right. Because my parents don't have a whole lot of money. And so, so I go, I'm super nervous. Right. Cause I'm like getting into debt and that's like kind of making me real nervous, but I basically completely kick butt in the ROTC program. And I find out that I got picked up for a type two scholarship, which is basically a 75% scholarship. Ice. Which I know it's really amazing, nice. which 20, I already am, I'm already getting a 25% scholarship for academics. So it basically covers 100%, which means I don't need to get into more debt. 
And then I basically become a resident assistant so that my room and board is covered. And uh, I basically go, so I paid the first year kind of out of pocket with loans and stuff. And I end up getting the rest of my three years covered in full. And so that kind of propels me to kind of start living this debt-free life kind of then once it's time for me to go into the, into the military. So, so I did really well. It's kind of interesting, right? Cause I was always kind of like anti-military. Like I was like, not anti-military, just like, ah, that's not like my thing. I was always kind of like a girly girl. And so I ended up doing it. It wasn't very much different than my regular lifestyle because I was really super organized. I really liked class. And so it, it just led for it just kind of was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no, absolutely. And then when you were going through this, mm-hmm. what was the hardest part? Like, was what did it all just really your square peg in a square hole? Or was it like, okay, it's still challenging. I mean, there wasn't a joke. Mm-hmm. Was there something that was like harder for you than the other aspect? You mean ROTC or college in general? The whole program. Going into college, you have the mental pressure that you have this massive debt potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't get that scholarship yet, but you have to kill it and give it your all while you're there to Mm -hmm. earn the scholarships. And then you have school and you have the ROTC, like what was the hardest part of juggling all that? So I would say that high school came really easy to me. I I wasn't, I didn't, I mean, I guess I had to study, but it was just like, maybe review my notes. Like one day, I think I was an eye-opening experience college when I tried to do that for my very first exam and completely failed it. F. I was like, ah, that was eye-opening for me. And then I think I, I had to work really, really hard in that particular class. And I think even with everything I was getting, I ended up getting a, a B or a B plus. And even with like getting 98s and hundreds at the end. So, so that was challenging for me because you can be really good in high school and it's a different ball, a ball game when you're in college, right? So, so that took a little bit of kind of getting used to not having my grandma there and my parents there. Cause I was like four or five hours away from home. So the ROTC thing, I'm trying to think of, it was, it was kind of interesting because it was like being around a whole bunch of people that were similar to me, which nobody wants to hang out with people who are exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that, that kind of took some getting used to and. I always tried to, I don't know if it was what it was about the military, but I always try, I was always trying to maintain my own identity outside, outside of the military. So like the military, once you're in it, you're just like every, you know, it's like a whole bunch of mini robots, you know, everyone kind of acts the same and says the same thing. And I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, this is so different from where I was, where I could be my own person. And you see how like this big curly Afro hair, and I just wanted to be my own person, but you know, we all look the same. We all put our hair back and you know, whatever. So I feel like in the military, uh, that was kind of interesting for me to find my own identity while I was among people who were very similar to me, but I, you know, I made it work. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying for the listeners. If they're in a situation that's challenging, like you're, you're basically, if I'm hearing you're, you, it took it to a new level. Mm-hmm. You're out of your comfort zone. You're away from family and you got to sink or swim. Right. What were the mental steps like that you really adjusted? Like how could a listener also do this? So, you know, they're, they're they could quit. They mm-hmm. could be mediocre or they could be great. What was the kind of checklist that you did to be great? 
And um, I know I'm asking you to think back, but yeah. but there's something that's special in you that you're just assuming like, oh, everybody thinks like this, but we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, people don't think like that. So was it truly just a competitive mindset? Like I'm not going to die or, or was there things you're like, okay, every day I need to do this. Was there a schedule? Like what, what, how did that go down? I think in the back of my head, even till this day, it's what you and I had talked about. It's I never wanted to go back to the house that I lived in when I was living, you know, on welfare and in section eight housing. I always felt like I had like I always had like this pressure, like, you know, like just this pressure. And and it was kind of released when I was able to go to college and be my own person and live my own life. So every day, I think every day it was, by the way, when you're an ROTC in, in college, life is so different from regular college students. We had to do uh, physical training twice, twice a day, tw- sorry, twice a week. So we were up at like five o'clock in the morning. Well, mind you, every single other college student on campus <laughs> sleeping until I don't know, eight, nine, 10, maybe if they have, yeah, they may be class. just going to bed at 5am. Oh yeah. Oh no, not me. I feel like it was, it was extremely, extremely difficult to kind of get used to that. And it wasn't difficult to get used to it because of me. I also had a roommate. They put me in like the smallest dorm room ever. And I was like in, so talk about opposites. I think, I think every step of the way God has challenged me and <laughs> in my life, because you mind you, I'm like a poor inner city girl who's going to college. Right. And they put me with this. I guess you can say this wealthy wealthy girl, wealthy girl. I was going to say rich girl, but yeah, I mean, she, she came from wealth, her parents, you know, she had like, I know she was driving like a BMW and she was like a freshman in college. Mind you, I had never had a car. I mean, I did. It was like a a 1989 Buick Skylark. That's what I was driving, you know, but I didn't take it to school because it wouldn't drive. It wouldn't make it five hours away. So they put me with her. And so she really hated the fact that I had to set my alarm clock and wake up at five. So, but anyway, so for me, it was more of like you know, set your alarm and do it every single day. And, and, and that's funny. I had to think back to, cause it's such a long time ago, but I remember like walking in the freaking snow to like PT and thinking like, this really sucks. It would be so easy to just quit, to just be like, I'm going to go home, you know, going to go back to Jersey and just do what, I don't know, I just go to school in Jersey and just live with my grandma or whatever. But I kept thinking back to that mindset. Like, no, I can't, like I left that and I don't want to go back. And it was just one of those, those, it was one of those things where you, you don't have to look back. You don't have to look back. I really have never looked back. I've never kind of been like, Oh, I regret this. No, I just like to live my life without regret. And, you know, I don't always succeed at everything that I do, but you, I've, I, I at least try, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the key. You, you have, you just don't quit. And if you fail, you fail, but you learned. Yeah. And if you didn't, you succeeded and you're where you want to be. Yeah. So and I'm if, a to do. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if we shoot high and fall a little behind, we're still ahead of the more majority. So, yeah. What are you going to say? You're a to do. I'm a to do. I'm a like a list person. So I like to do I like to write out my goals and I also like to write out my to do list. Right. This is what I have to do to get to where I'm going. And and the military really helped me. I think some people do fall flat when they get to college or they get to life on their own. Right. Because there's no one there telling you what to do. Whereas in the military, they do prepare you to succeed within the military and even outside. That's why so many military people are successful after they leave the military. It's because they are used to living this lifestyle where they have goals. um, They write down what they want to do, where they want to be in a couple of years or whatever it is. And when you're doing it, trust me, I hate it. I'm like, 
I don't understand. Why do I have to do this performance report? I just do my job. I, I mean, listen, I'm in the military still and I hate it. I'm like, I just do my job. Like, why do I have to tell you what I did? <laughs> but, you know, as I, as I sometimes think about transitioning out of the military, whether it's through retirement or just moving on to do something else, I think about that. I'm like, I'm going to have to continue to do that and, and, and do performance reports on my own life, on myself. And how am I getting better and how am I improving? always reviewing and reflecting and looking back at just enough to see what can we do better and then mm -hmm. move forward. That's funny. You said, I have a friend shout out to Casey Jones. He just retired 30 years of wow. the Marine Corps. Right. Amazing. And so we're together on Saturday night watching the fights mm -hmm. on Sunday. This was just this past week. He's, he, you know, he, he just chilled out with his wife. I'm like, man, said, I don't want to tell you to be lazy, but you should sleep in just once. I mean, after 30 years of oil service, just sleep in. Nope. He was still up 5 a.m. machine, man. Restarting a new business. Proud of the guy. That's so amazing. You, That's amazing. The skills that you learn from the military, are just life lessons, leadership. So good. Yeah. All right. So you're at college, you're at ROTC. <clears throat> you kill it. You get in that 15%, probably the 1%, but you're in that 15%. <laughs> and where do you go from? So then from there, I just... I, I mean, I remember standing at attention in that, I don't know what it was called, like this commander's call or something when they called my name and as one, I was like, wait, what happened? Did I, I thought I was in trouble. I was like, what are they talking about? Cause I couldn't hear. It's always in the back. Cause I was short, but I, I was super excited. And I've always had a mentor in, in the people who advised us at, in ROTC. So, so they basically kind of were like, all right, so, so you got, you got this scholarship. And so then from there, you know, you're just kind of you're a leader, right? You go from being like this, I guess, peasant <laughs> uh, to then start, you start leading your own people and you're leading. And then, I don't know, from there, I just never really looked back. Like I said, I, I continue to do really, really well. It motivated me. I think it's always right when you get a little bit, when you, when you get, when you attain a goal, you always get more motivated, right? You're like even more motivated than before to keep, to keep going. And so I end up getting all the way to to graduation. And I'm going to say something that is, was not, was shocking to me because it's really competitive, but I ended up graduating as a distinguished graduate within the, my ROTC graduating class. And I was, sh I was shocked because it was, like I said, I, the, I'm not a very serious, like I'm a serious mental person. Like when I come, when it comes to like my mind, I'm very serious. But when it comes to what I, what I, the way I am to the outside world, I love to laugh. I love to have fun. And I just like to up, you know, be an upbringing spirit to people. Right. Cause I feel like there's so much negativity in the world. And so I was, I, I when I say I was shocked, I was extremely shocked. But I, it was, it was so awesome because it was one of those things where I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, am I going to make this military thing? Like, am I going to continue it? And then it was like every step of the way they continued to reward me. And I was like, oh my God, they're making it so hard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I got pretty lucky because I wanted to continue on my education. And so even though I had commissioned into the military, they gave me a special permission. I wanted to go to law school and uh, no one had done it. <laughs> at least in my, in my, you know, in my little class in the last like five or six years. And they kind of, my leadership looked at me and they're like, oh, that's great. You want to do this, but you know, you're going to have to figure it out. Like you're going to have to put the application together and kind of figure it out. And so I was like, 
I mean, mm, little- I've heard this before. Figure it out. I know. I was like, oh, can you know, like a little help, right? So I just, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it. I'll figure it out. And if I don't get it, then it wasn't meant to be. I've always been the type of person that you work hard. If you don't get it, then it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't what God wanted for me at that moment. So I basically started putting this application together. I applied, I took the LSATs and I applied to a whole bunch of law schools. Then I submitted my package to the, to the military and they said, all right, cool. They kind of, they kind of gave me a three-year pass. They were like, we know that you owe us for your commitment that we paid for your college, but you can go and become a lawyer. And so that's what I did. So I took that's three awesome. years. <laughs> so I took three years and now mind you, the air for the, the military did not pay for my law school, but it was something that as I thought about what I wanted to do in the military, I just couldn't figure out what, how I could contribute. Right. I was like, how can how can I contribute to this military that I've signed up for, right? I wasn't an engineer. I had a criminal justice background with like a minor in poli-sci and military sciences. So I was like, what do I do? So I was like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this law thing. So anyway, so that's what I did. So off I went, you know, and, and now when I say the scariest moment of my life was going to law school, it was pretty scary because I had kind of relied so heavily on the military for the last couple of years that when they let, when they let me go, they kind of just like released me. And I was like out into the world by myself. And now I had all this debt because law school was expensive. And uh, I found of course, more people in the military community who were at law school, but they were getting like their college, their law school paid for. And I kind of, I kind of uh, gravitated towards them and uh, now law school is another challenging thing, right? So you go from, you know, being the smartest kid in high school, then, and then you're just kind of like, you're just like, oh, I need to work a little bit harder when you go to college to then be one of the smartest kids. Then I went to law school and uh, it was, it was different, right? You only get one test the whole semester. And that's basically it. Like if you screw up that one test, you're done. But I kind of knew that going in and I always had the pressure of you need to do this because you owe time back to the military. Right. So, so that was good. That was, that was another way that I kind of felt pressured in a good way to kind of succeed there. And then I went there and I did, I did really well. I graduated in the top of my class there and I was a little bit disgruntled when I had to go to, when I had to come to the military, uh, right. Cause you, you know, you go to law school and you see all these people coming out and making all this money, right. I was always like, oh, I'm going to do big firm. I'm going to do this big law firm life. And I interned with a, with a firm in New York city and it was awesome. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to do this. I got to owe, I, I owe my time. I was going to do my four years in the military and get out. And so I come on active duty and they send me cross country from all the way from New Jersey, which is where I'm from all the way to California. So imagine a Jersey girl in California. I was like, ah, <laughs> But it was amazing. The, the military has been absolutely amazing to me. I mean, when I, you know, everybody has, especially with the podcast that I have, right, it's called Military Murder. Everybody has their own experience, but I have always been extremely blessed to be around amazing, amazing leaders, um, amazing people, and just like an amazing community who kind of uplifts you, <clears throat> uplifts you and kind of helps you especially when you're brand new. So then, so that's basically it. So I joined the military. I mean, I got on active duty and then my uncle, who's a Marine said, whatever you do, don't get married at your first duty station. And guess what I did? 
Oh, at my first duty station, I did actually meet my husband. <laughs> and that's uh, awesome. And is he military also, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's been about it's been about 10 years now. So we started dating. And then in June, it's gonna in June of 2021, it's gonna be 10 years since we've been married. But yeah, so we got married there and then what day in June? Mine's June 10th. What's your anniversary? June 2nd. Oh, okay. Nice. You beat me by eight days, but I, I beat know. you by 10 years. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's awesome. June anniversaries are the best. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody gets out of school and you rush to get married, right? I know. Right. We're just like, oh, but yeah. So with the military, we've kind of been all over the place. So we were in California, then we went to Germany, got to travel a whole bunch. And so that was cool. Out of Germany, I got deployed to Afghanistan and uh, Man, when I tell you, you know how sometimes you're going across, you're going, you're going through life and you're just like, oh, sometimes, right. Sometimes you can, you can get like this kind of like in this, like a funky mood. You're like, oh, this sucks. Or I don't know. People always have that mentality, right? After a couple of years, you're just kind of like, oh, this kind of sucks and whatever. And people in the military love to complain. I mean, I, I think civilians like to complain too, but people, because I'm in the military, that's all I know. People in the military love to complain, myself included. They're like, oh, right. So I'm in Germany. I'm a newly yeah, human nature is to complain, right? I'm in Germany. I hate it. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds crazy, right? You're in Europe. You're living in Europe on the military dollar and you, and you hate it, but I'm there and I'm a newlywed. There's a language barrier and everyone's like, but everyone speaks English. Yeah. But when you move into a house that's off base, off post, the contracts are all in German. And so you're like, okay, I guess I'll sign this. Like, I don't know. So I was having a kind of a bad attitude moment in my life. And then my boss comes into my office and says, Margo, there comes a time in a young captain's life when you have to deploy. And I was like, ah, right. <laughs> I mean, cause we signed up for this, you know, I, I get it, but I had just literally just moved there. I might've been there. I don't know, 14 days, literally 14 days unpacked my bags in Germany. And I was like, okay. And so I had like this moment of panic and I just, you know, I always, put everything in God's hands and said, God, it's in your hands that it is, it is what it is. And uh, at that time, there was a lot of green on blue incidents and uh, whatever. So I end up getting to, or, Hey, just so you go describe uh -huh. green on blue. Cause we have listeners all across the U S mm -hmm. civilians, military, we have in 70 different plus countries describe green on blue, just so if someone doesn't understand. Yeah. So while you're, so what I was doing when I was there is I was doing rule of law. And so and just in general, basically what our mission was at the time was training the, the Afghanistan army to basically sustain themselves. Right. And so what a lot of what green on blue incidents were, where you could be training, you could be sitting there as an American, I don't know, soldier, sailor, Marine airman training an Afghan national army police or whatever. And then they turn their weapon on you. So you're basically like getting shot by a friendly, well, you, what you thought was a friendly force. Yeah, absolutely. We had a Chad Williams on the podcast and he was a Navy SEAL and he described that how they did mission after mission after mission. And then in the last mission before they went home, the, <clears throat> the blue were like, Hey, you wouldn't be able to be so effective if you had our uniforms on. And they tricked them into switching their clothes. And then basically they ambushed them and a lot of people died. So Chad and his boys got out but it, it's sad, you know, the deception and the twist, but there's a lot of good foreign soldiers and right, a lot, right. of, oh lot of bad gosh. ones. Yeah. So, but anyways, I just want to make sure our listeners understand that that's something you, a real threat. You can mm -hmm. even form a relationship with these people. 
you think everything's great. The next thing you know, they turn on you. So yeah, it's sad. No, it's, it is, it's very traumatizing. Like I said, I was very blessed to not have encountered any of those incidents, but it, it was, it was very heavy on my heart, you know, when I was getting there. And then while I was there, when the incidents had happened, but like I said, I was kind of, I don't know, just in this funk, I guess, when I had gotten to Germany and then uh, I hated it. I was like, I hate this place. And then I, I get to Afghanistan and uh, I was like, wow, this is what hell is like. <laughs> <laughs> only, it's only 145 degrees. Exactly. It was so hot. I got there in the summer. I got there like in August. And so, and anyway, so I'm there, I'm doing my thing and, and I, and I, I start to somehow, right? How can you be in hell and, and, and regain a positive attitude? But it was that when, when I, when people are like, how did you, I think that's one of those things that I don't know, you know, it has to be from the higher being, right? Cause how do you get this attitude of just, you just got to be there. You just got to survive. You just got to do your job and you can't think about the bad things that can happen. Right. I mean, you can get into a car accident when you're here in the States, anything can happen, right? You're, I don't know, there's people, I mean, I have a true crime podcast about people who do terrible things um, at the grocery <laughs> store. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter. And so I kind of got this mentality while I was there that I was like, I have to live my life the way that God made me to live. And I have to live every day as if it were my last. And if something were to happen to me, then it was my time to go. And that was what God wanted. And so with that mentality every day, you know, you just kind of, you know, cross off, you X off that day in the calendar. I had a really supportive, my, my husband was super supportive. My family back home was super supportive. And I encountered really amazing people while I was a player. I mean, I, I encountered a few people who just hated everything. And if, if you thought you, I hated my life in Germany, they hated their life everywhere. So, but that's just how it is. You know, you just have to continue. So once I got back, <laughs> I did, I also discovered I've always had a passion for fitness, but I really threw myself into that when I was deployed. And that really helped me to kind of make the time go by faster and just kind of encouraged me and helped me. So then I got back got back to Germany. And it was almost like I came back and I had a new set of eyes, right? I was like, Oh my God, this place is amazing. I love Germany. And we traveled <laughs> and we did everything. And I really did. I, I loved my job more. I really just threw myself into it's crazy, right? When you come in, when you go through an experience where you kind of are like scared all the time that when you come back to it, you you just can kind of throw yourself back. And now every, not everyone's like that. Not everyone can live through an anxious time like that without coming back without anxiety and depression and all of that. But like I said, I, I was really blessed. So you had more of like a paradigm shift. Like it was a perspective change. Like exactly. you're sitting there complaining in Germany and then you go to a non-ideal place where you find like, wow, whatever's going to happen happens. It's just life and the, the core God, family, country, that's mm -hmm. what matters. And the rest is icing. Right. So that's cool that you had. And like you said, a lot of people go out and they experience PTSD and they right. come back with a bunch of baggage. So I'm glad that you're on the side that was able to shed that and just move forward. And then the fitness, I think two things I want to talk to you about before we move on. Fitness releases endorphins in your brain and it relieves stress. So, I mean, a lot of guys I know that made it through successfully overseas, they all tied back to fitness. Mm -hmm. But like, it didn't matter if it was 140 or, or, or negative degrees. They're like, we're exercising. Is that what you found? It was just a decompression kind of? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like my time. I mean, you have so much time when you're deployed because you have 24 hours in a day and you don't have your family to go back to. You don't really have much of anything besides, you know, if you have friends there or whatever. But even if you're working, you know, 12, 13, 14 hour days, you still have, you know, an extra hour to kind of go to the gym or do whatever. And, you know, not everybody is working that long. You know, maybe you're working 10, 11 hours. So you have all this free time. And so I've always kind of, I do say that I'm a reality TV star, TV show fan, but I also don't spend as much time watching TV. Um, like I don't watch TV every single day. I think it's like one of those things that maybe I watch an hour of TV once a week, if that, you know what I mean? But I, I do, uh, I did use the gym as my release. So yeah, no, I loved it. And I feel like everybody who deploys either comes back more fit <laughs> or comes back fat because they just spend all their time eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. Fit or fat. One letter of a difference, right? <laughs> That's right. If I had no, to yeah. big fitness. <laughs> yeah. And for us as the listeners all over the world, it doesn't matter if you're military or not, or what country you're from. If you're under stress, which most of us are mm-hmm. workout try to get a regiment, try to get moving, try to just do something. And if your body hurts more at first, I mean, I promise you, I can't guarantee anything. I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. Mm -hmm. But if you keep moving through the pain, you actually have less pain and you feel better and more energy. One thing you've said this two or three times during the interview, Margot. And again, I think you're just so used to the success mentality and you've learned to overcome. You've mentioned, mentioned, you've mentioned mentors. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that throughout your life, whether it's a teacher or someone in college. Talk to the audience about like how do you define what a mentor is, even though it sounds simple. Like how do you mm-hmm. define? You don't need to look up a dictionary. And then what's that look like? Because obviously you benefited much from mentor relationships. And I personally believe all of us as humans should be learning and teaching. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just biblically based. But talk about the mentorship and how that played such a dramatic role in your mindset and success. A lot of people get caught up and I used to get caught up when people, who is your mentor? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't have a mentor, right? Because I, I, to be honest, if you ask me who my mentor is right now, I'm like, I have no idea because I've had so many mentors along the way, right? But I think a mentor is someone who you can call up or, or go into their office or whatever and basically just say, hey, I'm in this, I'm in this predicament or I have this, this really daunting decision to make, you know, what, you know, have you had an experience like this or, or what would you advise someone to do or something like that? Right. And that to me has been, like I said, I, I like to do a lot of research. So I do Google research or whatever. I research literally anything and everything. I will not buy a product unless I research it and it has a hundred reviews on the internet. That's awesome. <laughs> because I, I just want to know, right? I don't want to make the wrong decision. I mean, and I know that there's there's times where I do make the wrong decision, but that's fine. So long as I have done the research and I'm not going in blind, right? I mean, sometimes you have to, but that's what I do. I kind of, and if I can find someone who has been in a similar situation as me, who can kind of say, Hey, this is what I did. This is what I wish I would have done. You know, you're, you're in a little bit of a a different situation, but they kind of can lay it out for me. You know, that helps me be a better player in life. Right. Because at the end of the day, this is almost sometimes like a game, you know, am I going to take this step or am I going to take this step? Maybe I'll take one step back, but it'll help me take three steps forward. And by talking it out, instead of just 
and maybe my husband laughs at me because he says, he says that I am, he says that he wishes he could be like me because at the end of the day, I will lay in bed after I brush my teeth and do my night routine. I will literally lay in bed and just pass out. I can be under high stress. I can be under whatever, but I never let that come to bed with me. I'm just like, there's nothing I can do in the next couple of hours, unless I have to like study for something or I have something to do that needs to go out the next day. I'll just stay up till it's done. I try not to go to bed without any like unfinished business or at least that mental space in my, in my brain. And maybe that's why I do so much research is because maybe I wouldn't be able to sleep as well <laughs> if yeah. I, if I didn't have that research kind of done, but basically people should think of, of mentors and role models as the research that you're doing for life. Really. It's what can you ask that you can kind of get off your chest? Because sometimes even just the thought of something weighs on you. And if you don't ask a human, regardless of what it is, I mean, that's why, that's why the internet has so many forums. There's a forum for everything you want to get, you know, you want to get a nose job, go to a forum. You want to, you're, <laughs> you're having a baby, go to a forum, right? Because we, as humans, we need that human interaction and we want other people's input. Hey, what do you, what do you think about this outfit? What do you think about this? And so that's really, I mean, people get really caught up with, oh, I don't have any role models, but a role model can be anyone. And it's whatever you make of it. Right. Cause some people are really crappy. Like some people ask for advice and they're, they never take it, but it's okay. Well, that's your life, you know? So that, that's kind of how I, I have always taken it. I've always, I've never had a problem as you know, cause when we met, we just kind of chatted, but I've never had a problem like approaching people, even people who I don't know, like, Hey, you have a, you have a true crime podcast. We'll love to talk to you about it. You know, like who do you interact with or how do you get more listeners or stuff like that? Yeah. And that's amazing advice. And you know, whether you call it wherever you are in the world, there's all different names for it. But whether you're a mentor, you're, you know, you have a mentor, a teacher, a coach, a role model, whatever you call it, it's the same thing. Like Margo was saying, learning from them, listening. And I think it's funny. Do you ever talk to your, like the people you look up to, your mentors and just saying it out loud, you're like, I'm such an idiot. Or you get your own answer before they even respond. It's just a sounding board sometimes, right? Right. Oh yeah. I mean, I think when I ask a question, I kind of already know what I want to do. I just want to know what someone, I mean, and, and I have changed my mind. I'm never like dead set a hundred percent on one thing, but yeah, no, I normally know what I want to do. I just want other people's input and it's, there may be something that I may not have ever thought about. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. And it's like, you're like, okay, I think I have all the facts, but there's something I could have missed. Nobody's mm -hmm. perfect. So I want all the data I can, all the input I can. And then sometimes everybody there are times in life, everybody says the opposite, but you know, in your heart, no, this mm -hmm. is the right decision. But yep. typically the wisdom and the counsel lines up. The only thing that usurp that can usurp good wisdom and counsel is the Holy Spirit. And I love what you said about you using the term of you got everything unloaded. You dumped everything before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. And the Bible, God talks about, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You know, it talks about don't go to bed angry, get it right. dealt with. But you're saying concerns and stresses and fears deal with it and sleep like a baby. So that's awesome. <laughs> you got that. I, I envy you too. Like your husband does. So, okay. So now you go to Afghanistan, Afghanistan, and then you come back, you're in Germany, you have a new outlook and I take it you and your husband are there together at this point. Yeah, yeah we are. Okay. So pick up the story there, wherever you want to go. No. So just from Germany, I, 
Like I said, I had a pretty bad attitude when I left and it wasn't a bad attitude that anyone knew about. It was more of just like a, a bad internal attitude. But I came back loving life. My job was really rigorous. I was doing, I was like the chief of, of military justice. So I was doing a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff, but I loved it, you know, and also we didn't have kids at the time. So I could, I could really just throw myself 135% at work and I could stay there to whatever time I wanted to. <laughs> and then of course, you know, my husband and I are, are, our journey hasn't always been easy. I feel like the military, every time we got back together, the military split us up again. So we were back together for, I would say maybe eight or nine months. And then he got tasked with a deployment. So then he left and I was back uh, to being by myself. But by this point, I was, like I said, I was 135% into work, just dedicating myself. I was also doing like fitness. I, I was, I, I got this idea that I wanted to do a fitness competition and so I just, I just focused on that. And like you said, I've always focused on whenever my husband and I are like not a hundred percent together because of work or whatever, I've always just thrown myself back into fitness. It, it is difficult to be a, like a crazy fitness junkie when, <laughs> when you have other people with you because be, uh, only, you can only eat so much chicken, right? Before you, you start feeling <laughs> like you want to throw up. <laughs> but yeah, so then my husband got back together and then or, and I got back together after his deployment, we ended up moving to Colorado Springs, which we absolutely loved. Uh, Gorgeous area. God, that's where we want to retire to one day. It's just amazing. Colorado, the air, I mean, everything is just the people. It's just awesome. So we get there and we decide that we finally, after being married for five years, we want to, we want to start a family. So then from there, I, still doing the military thing, always giving it 135%. Because that's just, I, I, that's just who I am, you know, as a person. And then I have my daughter. So then my daughter's born and she's part of the podcast, right? Yeah, she her. is. Yeah. She's yeah the that's one awesome. Who says, so that's her. And so, so life did get a little different, you know, once we started, a, once we started a family, I was always kind of like, once I had her, I, I was like, oh, this is, it's kind of difficult, right? To be active duty military and, uh, you know, be a mom and, and both my husband and I are in the military. And then in the military, what they do is when the two people are in the military, you have to create this family care plan. So basically like in an event of war and we have to pull both of you, who's going to watch your kid. So it's like this realization, right. That, that the military, right. Cause when you don't have a child to care for, it's just, you will go anywhere the military sends you and you have you're more carefree. Like I said, I've always been, God, God will lead the way wherever I go. And so it became a little bit more difficult, but never really, you know, never really thought about it from, from there, my husband got deployed again. So I had to single mom it for a couple months and then we got transitioned. So I had to leave Colorado Springs with my daughter to the Washington DC area. So I'm there. And I mean, if God likes to challenge me, I don't know. Because yeah. DC will challenge anybody. My, yeah. Right. My husband's deployed. I'm with a toddler. I'm buying my, my first house by myself, you know, and I'm also like his power of attorney. So I have to, to sign everything double, but we get this pretty nice place. And uh, then he comes and joins us. And then we decide we want to expand our family even more. So we, we end up having another daughter after my second daughter is when I kind of started thinking like, I don't know that I want to make the military a career. Like, I don't know that I can stay active duty for this long with my children or whatever. 
But my husband and I keep saying, hey, we're just going to keep pushing along until, you know, God kind of tells us that one, one of us has to get out, right? He's been in a little bit longer than I have. And so that's kind of where the journey has led us. And we went to Washington, D.C. We were there for a while. And then, <laughs> and then I loved my job there. I was really close to home in Jersey. So that was fun. And then if you want to talk about more challenges, your listeners are going to be like, wow. <laughs> but my challenges, you know, even, even just talking about this doesn't seem like challenges to me. It just seems like kind of life, you know, COVID hits. So we go to PodFest. I'm super excited. Oh, by the way. So, so yeah. I mean, rewind to the part where you decide to start a podcast. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. get there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I forgot about the podcast. Okay, so actually, I do have one more question too. Uh-huh. As the listeners are like, what? You can rewind. If you um, don't mind, if it's able to say, what's your husband's role? Because statistically to be in the military and to keep a family is very difficult. To have two members is super difficult. To have two members with children, I mean, you're just, you're holding it all together and being super functional. Can you, I don't know if you can disclose this, but what's your husband's role in the military? Oh, he's, he's actually a, a public relations professional. Okay. 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 So he's not going to combat situations typically or is no, he? So he's not. So let's say, for example, I have friends who are married to pilots. The pilots are gone like three months in, three months out, three months in, three. That's very difficult. Although yes. my husband has deployed twice while we've been married and I've been deployed once besides going on a couple day TDYs, which is temporary duty assignments from one state to the other. Mm-hmm. He's usually pretty stable at home. Okay. So that's one with all the strikes. I don't want to say strikes, but with all the challenges, yes, you didn't, you, you, that was one thing you didn't have. He wasn't in constant direct combat. I mean, any exactly. military officers can be endangered. Every you're all doing a sacrifice. I wasn't belittling that at all. No, no, no. I'm no, just no. saying the family stress is at a different level when the wife knows, wow, my husband's in an undisclosed location for an undisclosed amount of time. I don't even know if he's okay. That's what I'm saying. I just, I'm just trying to figure out how you could handle all this and the moving and not like lose your crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, thankfully uh, my husband has, he hasn't deployed to like the combat areas like that. So really no, 100%. It's so much less stress compared to, like I said, the, I mean, even if my husband was like a pilot, I mean, cause pilot have, you know, they have accidents all the time and you're just like, oh my gosh, you know? So no, Everything has been, you know, thankfully pretty stress-free for me and, you know, yeah. And, and, and as far as his role in the family, you know, you know, you, you want to marry someone who's gonna, who's gonna help, right. Who's gonna not just help, who's going to basically be a part of the family. And I thank my lucky stars every single day that my husband is 100%, 50% of this relationship. You know, I feel really, really bad for people who are not that lucky, but I have been extremely blessed. I mean, my husband's up in the middle of the night with the kids. I mean, you know what I mean? I, it's just been amazing. I mean, he's, you know, I, that's he, awesome. Oh Great yeah. He, I, he does drop off for the kid, the girls at daycare. I do pick up, you know, we take turns. Who's going to cook dinner. I mean, half the time we're like, we look at each other. I, I swear we, I, I still don't feel like a grown up. You know, I look at my husband and we're like, well, what's for dinner? Like, I think that's like the most challenging <laughs> question, right? <laughs> As a married couple is when you have kids, as, what, what are we going to feed these kids? Do you think that Mac and cheese is good? Okay. Is that, is that okay still? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's been uh that's been a blessing. 
So, so the podcast, how did this, how did this come about? So I, I started thinking after I had my second daughter, what would I do if I left the military? Right. So then I started listening to, I've, I've always listened to podcasts. My podcast that I started listening to first was a, a, pod, a true crime podcast called Serial. It's like the most famous podcast ever. But then from there, I started listening to a podcast. I should probably go back because remember we were talking about money. I don't know if your listeners care about this, but this is a big part of my life and my success story. So I had all this college law school debt, sorry, this law school debt. And so we started listening to a show called The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Yeah, great show. His one of his uh, key people, Ken Coleman, has been on our show. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, great guy. Great awesome. story. But yeah, yep. total money makeover. We went through the and that and the Financial Peace University. If you're listening, listen to Margo. It's that that curriculum is fantastic. It's it's life changing. So <laughs> I, I picked up the book. It's called The Total Money Makeover, right? And I picked it up right before I think I met my husband. I was like TDY somewhere. I don't know. So I'm reading the book, right? I'm like, it's like really huge font. I mean, it's basically like money for, for dummies. So I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like such a great idea, right? Like, can you imagine paying off all this? Can you imagine being debt-free? Like, that's like absolutely amazing. So I had picked it up when I was still in California. Then my husband and I got married and we went to Germany. Then I got deployed. So we were saving and we were like paying some stuff, but we weren't like a hundred percent in it. Right. Cause you can read a book and like, you can know how to succeed at life, but not apply it. Right. That's, there's a lot of books about self-help and how to be a better person that you just don't start applying. Yeah, absolutely. In every area, fitness, money. I mean, we all know what to No, I don't want to say all, but most (laughs) people know what to do or what not to do. But yet, you know, I gained 40 pounds this year. So come on. We, I know it. I used to wrestle (laughs) in box, but I'm fat because I'm lazy. It's the the application, right? So (laughs) that's the, that's our podcast for you listeners, right? Listen, do repeat for life. That's our slogan. Yep. So, so we get to so we get to Colorado Springs and at this point we're like, we're going to start a family. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting nervous. Right. Cause I'm getting like this, like talk about anxiety. I'm getting like this anxiety. Cause I'm like, oh my God, how, you know, we got this, we got all this debt. Mostly it's my debt. Right. So I I'm over here feeling like it's my fault. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have all this debt or whatever. <laughs> so like I said, my hundred, my husband has always been 100%. We've combined finances from the beginning. It's never been, but one day, actually, when we were in Afghanistan, right before, we, I'm sorry, when we were in Germany, right before we came to Colorado, one of his friends, my, my husband's coworkers looks at my husband, my husband must've been complaining about something like my husband likes to, I, I always tell my husband that, that words are powerful, that words mean things that we should say, we should say positive things. That's how I am. But sometimes he'll be like, oh, we're so broke. And I'm like, oh my gosh, don't say that. Like we are so far from broke. Like, it's not even funny. I should, <laughs> I should beat you up for this. So he must have been complaining or something. So he comes home. He comes home from work one day. He goes, "Hey, my buddy says we should not be broke." And I was like, "Okay, but we're not broke." And he goes, "Yeah, but I was like complaining about this stuff or whatever." And he says, "We're two military officers. We should like not be broke." So I was like, "Okay, but we didn't really even know. Can you imagine working every single day and not knowing how much money you make because we never actually put it down on paper?" So we, we get like these paper, we get our little stubs or pay stubs or whatever. We put them together and we're like, oh my God, we make so much money. Like why, 
why, <laughs> why do we feel so broke? Right. So we whip out the total money makeover and I, I look at my husband. Remember I told you I like to make a plan. Well, this is the first time we make a money plan. So we're like, we're going to do this. So we end up moving to Colorado. We put out all our, we put out all of our payments and we literally just start like throwing all of our money that we make at this debt. We're like throwing in. Oh, we paid our car off. Oh, this is so exciting. So we have like this car paid off and then we save up enough money to buy another car. And then all of a sudden we, we go to the, we do financial peace university. And our goal is to have all of our debt paid off before our daughter is born. And we just like start throwing everything that we have at it because we, we did, we, we were making enough money. And then, you know, one day, just like that, we paid off $250,000 in debt. And yeah, it, was, it congratulations. was like, Oh my God, we were like so excited. And it was, it was all about teamwork. Right. Because I've, we've talked to other couples and my husband is all about like the total money makeover. But really, it's about teamwork, right? I mean, if and if you're not, if you're single, that's fine, then you do it on your own. But when you don't have, when you have two people who live in the same house, but they don't have the same life goals, it becomes pretty difficult. So at this point, you know, we start saying like, like, like uh, Dave Ramsey says, the grass feels different when you don't have a payment, right? Like life just feels different. You know, we start yeah. our life out with, you know, we have our daughter, everything we're paying with cash or whatever. And uh, this kind of really turns over a new leaf where I, I, I always kind of felt like I was like tied down to something, to life, right? I was tied down to being a, a practicing lawyer. I was always tied down to the military. And at this point, I felt like we have no more chains. We have no more chain. We are not tied down to anything at this point because we don't owe anything to anybody. We don't whatever. So once we moved to Washington, D.C., I start listening to, I don't remember what the name of the podcast is. I think it's called military millionaire or something like that. I don't know. And it was talking about, it, it follows people who either have a business while they're still in the military or people who have business ideas once they leave the military and they start their own business. And I, I looked at my husband and I was like, man, what would my idea be? Like if, if the military was no longer there, what would I do? Like, what would I do? Like, I feel like, I feel like I have all these good ideas, but I, I don't know how I would kind of relay that to people. And so then I started thinking about my, my strengths and stuff like that. And I was, I've always been into true crime. I've always been into storytelling. And I started thinking about, it, I was like, this is so silly. How like a podcast, I don't know. And so I like threw the idea at my husband one day. I was like, I should start a true crime podcast about the military. And he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know, cause you know, everyone, we all throw stupid ideas out right to our, our, our spouses. And, we're like, and he throws really dumb ideas at me. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, so I figured this was just my dumb idea. But then the more I started listening to podcasts, it's one of those things where you're just like, I can do that. And then you listen to some more, you're like, I could do that. I could do that maybe a little bit better or, or I could do this to make it better for my listeners. Right. You don't want to give people something that is already out there in the universe. Although people do it all the time. Right. I mean, I don't know how many, how many more movies can people make, but they make them and they continue to make, you know, break box office records. So I left it at that. So it was like my birthday one year and I think it was 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. And my husband says, Hey, I'm going to buy you a microphone. I'm going to buy you some podcast equipment so you can do like this podcast that you said. And I was like, Oh my God, every, every, that's awesome. All, <laughs> right. All of my ideas, all of my, whenever people give me ideas that I end up making 
they end up being good for me. I always think how stupid they are. I'm like, you're so, that's so dumb. Why would you spend money? Right. <laughs> so he tells me about this and I'm like, no, because remember we were, I'm like, oh, I don't want you to spend that money, you know, whatever. How about if whatever. So, so I try to think about it and I'm thinking about it and it's really like, like weighing on me. Right. And I'm like, I don't even know. Cause originally when I told my husband, he was like, you don't even, how do you know you even have enough stories to like do a podcast for that long? Right. Like kind of like what you thought. And so I was like, you know, let me just make like a spreadsheet. So one day I'm sitting at my computer, I do a spreadsheet. I start Googling like military murders or whatever, people who commit murder in the military. And my, my list is like at 50 by this point. Right. I'm like, that's a lot. Wow. So I tell my husband, I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's order the equipment. So we order. Well, first I start YouTubing because I'm basically self-taught, you know, I, I start YouTubing, you know, what kind of microphones to listen to. And I listen to like, uh, Pat Flynn is a big one. Mike Russell, he's a big sound guy. So I'm like, okay. So I start watching all these videos. I start watching all these videos and I'm like, okay, okay. So then my husband orders the equipment. I end up recording an episode. I fully edit it. I fully edited the, the, the episode and I let somebody listen to it. I'm like, Hey, why don't you take a listen to this? And so then they listen to it. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Because when you tell people your idea, you're going to start a podcast. They're always looking at you like you're an idiot. They're like, Oh, no one's going to listen to that. Or you're, this is such a dumb idea. Like, blah. <laughs> well, they ask a lot of people like, what's a podcast? Like half the people oh. still don't listen. So they think it's stupid because they haven't heard of it. Yeah. And so basically I just started to do the whole, I start to throw out the idea to like some of my friends because I'm really nervous, right? I don't want, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fail. I don't want to feel like an idiot. And you're putting this out there literally into the universe, right? I mean, it can land in anyone's hands. And, and I start, I start asking some people who I really trust, like, Hey, like my dad, my dad will always tell me the truth. Like, Oh, you know, this is a bad idea. So I, I let him listen to it. And he's also into true crime. And he's like, Oh my God, this is like a good idea. Like, I'm so excited for you. So I basically go into it. I, I go into a, a full blown and we, we take the equipment and I, I take like a few, I think I take like a few class. I can't remember, but, and uh, I put it out there into the universe and that's basically it. <laughs> so then I start this podcast and I start telling, you know, I start telling people about it and I'm like, Hey, listen to my podcast. And I, you know, I join um, some Facebook groups. I make like my, like my Instagram account for my podcast. And, you know, it's just like a little bit here and there. And I look at some of the big ones that are doing really awesome. And I look at some of the smaller ones and it was just kind of my idea of, can I, can I have something that's sustainable for myself if I decide that maybe I just want to spend more time with my kids, you know, now that my kids are kind of going to be school age and stuff like that. And so here we are, it's been a year, it's been a year and some change. Actually, yeah, it was just, it's actually still November. So it's actually just been a year and two weeks since I started the podcast and it's, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah. And then what, just so listeners know, you went from zero to where you're at today and what you can disclose. I know there's a lot mm -hmm. of things you may want to say or not say, but describe your podcast a little bit. Like what's, what can you say about it? Cause I know to have 580 something reviews is like incredible. <laughs> and right now, when you look at all the categories on podcasts, true crime is the hottest, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the hottest category overall, more than anything else is true crime. So you pick the right thing at the right time and you're and you're killing it on top of it so talk about the success a little bit and then we're going to get into the special portion we'll make sure we didn't miss anything else of your mm -hmm. story and mm -hmm. we'll get into the special thing we'll, we'll give you some questions to help 
podcasters who are starting up and we're going to put it into our podcasting made easy curriculum. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, Oh, what the podcast is about, right? Is that the question? Yeah. Like give a quick description of your podcast and then where are you today? Like, you know, listenership. I, again, I don't know what oh, you can okay. discuss yeah, yeah. and what you can't yeah. discuss. Yeah. Okay. So, so military murder actually is, like I said, I have a background in, in law and I'm in the military. And so <laughs> I, I, like but you're said, not a murderer. You are not, not a murderer. murderer. Let's make That's that clear. Right. That's right. I am in the, I always tell people, I call people, I say that they're either in the true crime army or they're true crime warriors. Right. But, <laughs> but the podcast is about true crime in the military. And so I wanted to kind of, I love true crime. I am not the type of person who could just start a podcast about momming momming it right <laughs> i just i was like oh my god how can i be interesting with you know this is just but i was like oh, i love telling these true crime stories and i've always you know if i get my friend like hey did you hear about this and they'll be like no tell me all about it and so i've always been able to kind of tell people i've been able to read a news article and kind of tell them about it and so i was like well there's all these true crime shows already i need to find a niche right because if you kind of just put yourself out there even if you're a good storyteller people may not find you so i thought i was oh and another thing is i listened to a lot of podcasts that would talk about a case that was true crime in the military and they always got something wrong whether it was whether we're talking about a court martial or like military life and i was like that's not even true I think it was actually, uh, this tip, this really made me mad. It, it makes me mad still to this day, but because people say it over and over again, but they say military prison is so tough. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Military prison is actually, you know, everyone gets a haircut. Everyone, you know, just is kind of in order. Nothing too crazy happens at a military prison versus civilian prison or like state prison or anything like that. So I think that's funny, but anyway, so um, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, if you're in Guantan Guantanamo Bay, that's a little bit different. But if you're in a standard U.S. prison versus standard military prison, there's a different level of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, OK, yeah, Guantanamo Bay. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Unless uh, we can go there for cigars. But other than that. So, yeah. So I started my true crime podcast in, in the niche that I felt comfortable talking about. And so so we, I started from zero. I, I am a one woman show. Besides my two little daughters that you hear at the end of the show, which I kind of threw that in there. So when you, if you listen to my podcast episodes, it's just me kind of chatting by myself. I tell, I'm telling a story, right? I don't, I don't, I, I I'm pretty interesting. I don't think I'm a, a boring. Oh no, I it's awesome. I mean it not because you're my guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love your show and I'm not a crime enthusiast. So if you're listening now, check out Margot's show because military <laughs> murder is a great podcast. And it's engaging and she's an amazing storyteller. And like she said, her background when she was young, she had a passion for drama and theater. Yeah. She knows law. She's in the military. It's just the perfect like formula for what you get. <laughs> so check out the podcast. <laughs> awesome. So, so my daughter's at the end. I wanted to kind of, like I told you, this is one of those things where I was like, I created the podcast to kind of see what I could build on my own, right? If I could build something, if this could be like my baby, what would it be? And so of course my daughters were a huge inspiration for that, for me of be wanting to be a better person in general. I consider myself a pretty good person, but I was like, how can I teach my daughters, right? That they could be business owners or that they could have something or that they could create something that's their own, right? I'm not, 
I'm not an engineer. I'm not, I'm not somebody. There's so, there's so many people who are so crafty who can just like, you know, make this beautiful thing out of a sock. I'm, I'm not that person, right? I'm not like a, a Pinterest mom. So I was like, how can I do something that with something that I'm passionate about, which is storytelling and bring people in. So I brought my daughters in with this at the end of the show where they say, Shh, mama's working on her podcast because it's actually um, a running joke, but it's actually true because they are always coming into my walk-in closet, which is my office. <laughs> and it's always kind of funny because I'm like, hey guys, I can still hear you. <laughs> yes. And for those of you podcasting in, in the different curriculums, you know, you need to learn about mics and you need to learn about background noise and dynamic versus condenser. But I have an, on my door, the same thing. I close the door to of the office and I'm like podcasting in session. Shh. Right. And yeah. before it used to be like, don't come in the house. Don't talk. Don't be loud. Don't breathe. Because the mic I had picked up every Me too. sound. Yeah. And now I switched to, the, I, think it, I don't want to say the name wrong. I can't remember what I have. Oh, wait, it's on my headphones right there. Audio. Oh yeah. The audio. Yep. Yeah. And I love it. Cause it basically it's right here in this area gets picked up. If you're watching, I'm pointing to my mouth, yep. but if you're on the side of the mic, it's quiet. So mics make a huge difference and you don't have to spend a lot of money. And I, Margo and I can talk about that or elaborate later, but if not, oh, it's, yeah. in the, it's in Let's the class talk about that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Week two, we have the podcasting made easy equipment, but mics make a huge difference. And you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a great mic. So what do you use, Margo? Um, so this is actually a road. I've always been a road person, but this is the, this is the road procrastor. Wait. Yeah. The road procrastor procrastor. Yeah. Procaster. 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 Yeah. Like you don't want to be a procrastor. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what is it? Procaster? Instead of podcaster, anyway. it's a procaster. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this one is actually one that I got right after Podfest. So I got this one right after Podfest, but I was, I've, I've been a road, uh, a road girl from the beginning, but I originally was using the road. I forget what it is, but it's the one that you said, is it a condenser? No. Yeah. There's dynamic and condenser mics. Oh, the condenser and that would pick up anything. Oh, it was so annoying. Yeah. Unless you have a professional studio that's soundproofed, it's crazy bad. I mean, you can hear a mouse fart across the house. It's yes. horrible. It's, yes. it's that bad. And then I it, makes no your, ed, it makes your editing like hours instead of minutes. Yep. So and first off, sorry, I was crude and just said most. Oh no, no worries. Second. That's exactly <laughs> then, <sorry>. what it is. <laughs> I know it really is that bad. And then I keep looking down for those of you watching the podcast. I keep looking at Margo on my screen instead of looking at you in the camera. But anyways, Margo, before we get into podcasting and geek everybody out, you are a remarkable woman. I'm so thankful you're Thank here today. You. But on the show, is there anything about your story or past that we missed before we get into the podcasting world deeper? You know, no, I just, I think, I think it's important to tell your story. You know, sometimes, like I said earlier, I told my husband before coming in, I was like, oh, you know, have me on this remarkable people podcast and I'm not that remarkable, <laughs> but I think everyone's story is remarkable, right? If you can tell a story of starting at point A and getting to point B, whatever that is, uh, whatever route you took, I think it's really important to tell your story because like I said, at the end of the day, not any, not every one route is perfect. And uh, the fact that you can use other people's bad experiences as your own to kind of become a better person. I think that's a new, that's kind of a new mindset that I had never really heard about, but I think is really important. 
a, a really important aspect of success that people don't talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's like our jobs, like you said earlier, our jobs to do our best and then leave the rest in God's hands to exactly. give our best, leave it all in the ring. You know, like we just watched the Tyson Jones fight. You don't <laughs> want to go in and give half, you know, or even if you're losing 11 rounds, that 12th round, give it your all. Cause you could just knock them out. Right. That's right. So the thing is you just want to give it your all. So you have no regrets and you don't have to look back. So, wow. Thank you, Margo for that. So now let's get into the geeky stuff. So you got your podcast going mm -hmm. and talk about your growth. What are the, like, where did you start zero and where mm -hmm. are you at today? So I started with, and I don't, I guess I don't know how many subscribers cause I just changed over. What's that called? A podcast host. But basically, and, and you know, you have to go into all the Apple and then Spotify or whatever, but yeah, um, the stats off. and just, and here's a good point too. Would you, you don't have to always agree with me, but I haven't found any stats for podcasting that are consistently accurate. And that's something did you, have you learned that too? Yeah, no, I, I hate having to go. I think the, the subscriber aspect of it, because I'm like, how many people are subscribed to my show? And then like Apple, it only shows you how many subscribers you have in that 30 day period. It doesn't tell you how many subscribers you have like overall. So it's really frustrating because I'm like, what is going on here? But yeah, no, I agree 100%. And also for shows like ours that are international, I don't know if you know this, it only shows the US based. Mm -hmm. So if you have comments in South Korea or if you have comments from Argentina, they don't even yep. show up. So it's only country based. There is, let me see, what is it called that I have? Do you use Chartable? You know what? I looked at Chartable, but I haven't like subscribed into it. Like I haven't like put my code in because I didn't know enough about it. So I didn't want to enter that water. Do you use Chartable? Mm -hmm. So I use Chartable. I mean, it's a free, it's a free program. I think I'm pretty sure it's free. And that one, it actually shows you on the reviews, it shows you when you have subs when you have reviews from other countries. So if you like have Spotify reviews from another country, or oh, Spotify doesn't have reviews, Apple, Apple reviews from another country, it'll show you on on Chartable. But there's another one too, Chartable, Chartable, Chartable is free. And then there's another one that I use because it makes everything pretty. It makes it look really pretty. It's called uh, Pod Rover, Pod Rover will bring over every single review, including um, Stitcher and all your international Apple reviews as well. Oh, and also it shows you the pod, pod is it Podbean? There's like one in there. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many. If you're listening, there's so many that sound and look similar, but they do have like each, like Margot's saying, each one might have a really great strength. But one thing I just want to bring up is, if you're getting into podcasting, let's say you have a web background with web, you can get so granular mm -hmm. with podcasting. They literally will say, Hey, we do our best. <laughs> like we're doing oh my our gosh, best. It's amazing. I'm yeah. like, somebody needs to get into that. I mean, I, I, after, after being in podcasting, I'm like, man, I really wish I was techie because there's so much that can be done. And that is, is, is to be done with podcasting. The, yeah. With chartable, even I remember writing their text. And asking him, like, how could I get reports? And two hours later, they're different. And they were just like, that's just how it is. They're like, the data comes into us through multiple sources. We update mm -hmm. it to you as fast as we can in real time. But they're like, it's not a perfect science. So, all right. So you go from zero, mm -hmm. you're growing. 
like review wise alone, you're killing it. What are some tips you have for new podcasters? So I got what happened with my show is so it was literally me just telling my friends, Hey, guys, listen to my podcast, right? And but I don't also want to be annoying. So I would always be like, only if you like true crime, listen. And so then from there, there was a there was a journalist in a, a military magazine called Task and Purpose, who happened to my husband was basically like, Hey, if you like true, if you like true crime or whatever, listen to this podcast about military true crime. So the guy listened to it and uh, he was really interested in it. He's like, wow, this is like really good. Right? Cause everyone hears amateur, everyone hears amateur podcaster. And they just think that it's poor quality, not researched or whatever. So thankfully this guy, David, he listened, he ended up listening to the podcast and uh, he really liked it. So he reached out to me. He, I, I, I guess he found my, my website. And that was another thing. I had a website from the beginning, but he reached out to me uh, and was like, Hey, I would love to do a piece on your podcast. And so I had released my podcast in November on November 11th. It was veterans day. And then he reached out to me like a week or two later. And uh, he, he, he wrote this podcast sorry, he wrote this podcast review basically on task and purpose, which is a big military community. And uh, I think it was like December 5th. And I saw a humongous jump with that, just from the visibility of getting someone to write about my podcast on this military page. And so then from there, it jumped. So, you know, COVID really screwed a lot of things up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no, right? Uh, so it was like November 2019. So then December, I see a big jump. And then I had reached out to, oh, and I guess with that, I was able to get on the, uh, not on the new and noteworthy in Apple Podcasts, but in the new. So like if you click true crime, it'll tell you like new shows and mine was able to get on there because of the jump in listenership. And then of course I, I ran like a little competition in the beginning. So starting in December of that year, I think for four weeks, I ran a competition like, Hey, if you leave a review, if you like the show and you leave a review, I, I'll put you, I'll throw, I'll throw your name in the hat for a podcast challenge coin and some stickers. And I did that every week. So I had weekly winners and then I had a big grand prize winner. And so that helped me increase um, the amount of reviews that I had by basically offering something to people. Yeah. And that's great advice. It sounds like even the stickers offering people mm -hmm. stickers, like leave a review on Miller's sticker. It yep. really helps. Yep. Yep. So, so that, that was really, really helpful. Then in January I got featured in, a, I had reached out to, let me see what the name of it is real quick. It's on here. Castbox. So Castbox is a new podcast app, right? And they, I knew that they, they were kind of newish, newish or newer. And I reached out to them like, Hey, I would love to, you know, be featured or whatever. Like, would you mind listening to the show? And sometimes you do this, right. And it's a little crazy. You're just like, Oh, well, what's the worst they can say is no. And so the girl reached back out to me and was like, Hey, I love your show. I've been listening to it. I've been binging it. I'm actually going to make it a staff favorite. So from there, I saw a huge increase from being featured on Castbox for, it was almost like a month. And then Stitcher as well. I had reached out to Stitcher through one of their little Stitcher things. And I would, I mean, Stitcher is a huge, huge podcast company. And I was like, there's no way, you know, but I was like, what's the worst that can, that can happen is no. And they reached out to me and they were like, yeah, we would love to feature you on our true crime 
section. And I mean, I was, I was featured on there with the likes of like my favorite murder and some other really great, like the murder mafia or whatever. And so I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then, so January hit and I was, I don't remember what my numbers were back then, but I know that they were, I think it was like, I had getting close to like 100,000 by January, February timeframe. And then I go to PodFest. I'm super excited. I'm like, oh, this is so great. And then of course, boom, COVID hits. <laughs> so COVID hits, of course, and most of my listeners listen when they are traveling to work or they're commuting. So my listenership starts going down. And, you know, at that point I was like, there's nothing I can do. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm doing everything that I can. My quality is getting better. I got a better mic. I'm getting better at it where I can spend more time researching rather than more time editing. And I'm trying to think of from there. So military murder, like the actual act um, of, of murders in the military kind of exploded this um, this year. I'm not sure if you're aware, but there was a, a young female um, soldier, Vanessa Guillen, who went missing in um, April. And in so Texas, right? In Texas. Yeah. So yeah, I have been several. tracking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have been tracking. So whatever your topic is, if you have a podcast, it's, 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 I would say which it's prudent for you to have Google alerts on whatever your topic is to kind of be up to date on that. So I kind of am aware that this female soldier is gone missing. And I'm freaking out, right? Not only freaking out because it's a military case, but because I'm like, how does a freaking female soldier go missing in the middle of the day? Like, and I look at my husband and I'm like, listen, if I go missing, like, you better come look for me. Like, no, I did not just leave. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm freaking yeah. out. So, yep. so I'm like, what? So, so I start, I start following this story and uh, I don't know, God put it in my heart. Like, I don't normally do active current cases, at least not at that point. I would, I did not feel confident enough to run a story that was still currently active, but you know, God put in my heart, like, listen, this story needs to get out there and I'll, and you know, you always kind of feel like, well, my show's not that big or whatever. And so I was like, whatever. So I put everything together that I can and I put it out there and I, I, it really got traction on my Facebook page. I went from having, I don't know, like 400 people like my Facebook page to overnight having like 3,400. So I got like 3000 people who were really interested in the story. And so I got a lot of listeners on that. And then at the same time that I had released that episode, I was tracking another missing person actually who ended up being found deceased. And it was a case where I had been doing some research and I had discovered that there was a 911 call. And, you know, the thing with podcasting and storytelling is you don't know what you don't know unless you try, right? So with these things like being featured on CastBox, it was literally just going to their page and they have like a feature me item or whatever and submitting it there. And I was like, okay, well, if they pick it up, they do. And if they don't, they don't. Same thing with Stitcher. And I love that because you've said that throughout your life. I'm just going to try. And if it doesn't work, right. it doesn't work. And if it does, it does. So for all of us, the worst thing you can do, and I want to punch myself in the face all the time, is when you have a great idea and you don't do anything with it. Right. Or when you like, oh, I want to try this, but you don't. Because most times when you try, you get at least a 50-50. So right. do it, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 amazing. And that, that's one of the things with, with the podcasting game. 
that I feel. And now I also want to punch myself in the face because there's so many opportunities that have come across my way with the podcast that I have not had the time, right? Because time is important, right? But with everything that I do, I have two daughters, I have a husband, I also work, I'm working, I'm active duty military in my current job. So my prior job was very laid back. It was basically an eight hour job, whereas like my current job is not is more time, you know, I have to spend more time at the office and all that. So I have less time to do my podcast. So I, I also punch myself in the face because I just wish I had more time or I wish I wasn't as afraid. You know, sometimes I am still afraid to like tell people about my podcast. I don't know why. I just I'm like, oh, well, it's not that big of a name. It's not that it's military murder. Not that many people know about it. But I have found that when I do take a chance on myself and just say it like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? It's actually usually ends up being pretty good. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you have stop stop that negative self talk or allowing. I, I know it's crazy. <laughs> Just be you, because I'm telling you, you're gonna be syndicated soon. You're gonna be like, you're gonna be on top, man. You got a great podcast. All right, so you're going out, you're reaching out into Facebook groups, you're you're getting articles written on you, so you're reaching out to you know different publishers. Mm-hmm. You you're smart. You're looking at the Apple opportunities, like new and noteworthy is kind of can't really control if you're in there or not, but the faster you have that initial bump, when you launch your podcast, Mm -hmm. what what I tell my people is, you know, you want to launch your intro in three episodes. So they have something to kind of binge ideally. And then you want to have a real marketing push right before and during the launch. That way you can try to get into that new and noteworthy because really once you get in there, it's a catalyst. Yes. You talked about using your Facebook page and again, using the, the Google alerts to kind of keep people aware if you have a topical podcast. So, you know, equipment, we can talk about that, Mm -hmm. but you can get that on a website, right? Outlining, planning the structure, a lot of work, but again, that's organization. What did you say? Let's, let's get Margo's expertise because you've been there. You've been victorious. You know, you've slayed Mm -hmm. the dragon. What did you say to Stitcher? What did you say to CastBox? So obviously, someone might have a different type of podcast, but what were the things you kind of communicated to get them interested in you? So for me, it's basically just telling my story, right? Anybody can tell a story, but not everybody can tell a military story. And so for me, it was like, Hey, I'm active duty military. I have this podcast. I'm also a legal professional where I talk about these cases that people don't often talk about. I want to give a voice to the military community and basically give me a chance. So that was it. And oh, I also would mention, you are correct. I started off with three episodes right off the bat. And so those three episodes probably took me like three months to prepare. But you know, it it was worth it. I, I started out with the three episodes. And then I did an episode, I do an episode a week from there. And then I always would tell them about one one interesting case that I had. I mean, all my cases are interesting. But Hey, this story has never been told before or whatever that I've looked at has never been told on a podcast. And so I just kind of, I wanted to hook them, you know, you want to give them because they're probably getting, I don't know, I, I, I overheard something 1.6 million podcasts now in, I think it was 1 million in 2019. And now there's 1.6 million. Um, so you want to hook them, right? What is it about your show? That's awesome. Or that's special, whatever. Yeah. And listen to Margo, ladies and gentlemen, right now, podcasting, even though it's been around for years, it's still almost in the infant stage. It's still so not developed. There's so much opportunity, 
but we're at the real like it's exponentially growing like last year even this year when me and you met mm -hmm. there was nine i think there was under a million podcasts at podfest they were just about to cross that threshold mm -hmm. and only like seven hundred thousand were active active mm -hmm. well there's 700 in 700 plus million blogs so would you rather compete against 700,000 or would you rather compete against 700 million? So yeah. if you're like podcasting is a lot of work. Yes. Margo, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of return. And even like for me, I have a ministry style podcast where we share remarkable stories of people. We want to, how did Margo succeed? So you can too, but that's brought us business to our consulting side. And yeah. that wasn't in the plan. It just naturally happens. Yep. So for Margo, I'm looking forward to see where you go and how God uses this podcast to not only help people and entertain people, but where it's going to bring you personally. So, and I think it's going to be syndicated. Yep. You're going to be working for some true crime. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to accept that. I'm going to accept that. <laughs> crime, crime TV or someone huge, somebody's going to come by you. So, all right, well, let's do this. What are, I think the number one question that mm -hmm. every podcaster has is they're sitting down and there's some people, no, no offense to anybody, but they're putting down moderate content and moderate quality. There's other people who are really putting in, they have great content. They have great quality production, but they just can't get the listeners. They don't know how. What are some of the tips you'd say? Cause you're, you're obviously an expert at that. What, what would you say? This is what you got to do. Step one, two, three. So one of the things I, I, I would say that got me, so what, like I was talking about COVID, COVID hit and then, and then it was kind of a lull. And then I did that one story. Then I did another story about two back-to-back -back stories. And then I felt more comfortable and confident and reaching out to people who were out there and already had listeners in true crime. And I was saying, Hey, do you want to do a promo swap? And promo swap has brought me a lot of listeners. Uh, a lot of people think like, Oh, everyone, a lot of people think about competition. Like, Oh, why would you tell other, why would you tell your listeners about tr other true crime podcasts? And I'm like, I don't know, because there's not enough true crime podcasts because I love true crime. And it's amazing um, how much listeners that has brought me, but also friendship podcasting solo could be very lonely, right? You're just sitting here and you're like hoping people will listen or whatever. But when you have someone else to talk to that, you're like, oh, how did you research that case? Or, you know, how did you do this? Or how did you get more listeners? It makes everything seem less lonely, right? So I started reaching out to others, other podcasters and saying like, hey, and, and it would be podcast, it has to be podcast. You know, I think the thing is you have to be genuine, one, when you're doing what you're doing, right? Because if you don't, people can see through that. So I will reach out to podcasts that I actually listen to. And I'm like, hey, I love your show. I think your listeners might like listening to mine. You, you want to check it out? Or do you think you might want to do a promo swap? Some people respond, some people don't, and that's fine. So the one thing to get more listeners, I think, is reaching out to other people in your same industry, but also reaching out. And I haven't tried this, but I'm going to try it now because you just mentioned that you're like, even if you don't like true crime, you should re you, know, <laughs> you could listen to the show. But reaching out to other areas that maybe are similar or not the same or whatever, just to see. So that's the first thing. And then the other thing is being, what I have noticed is being really engaging with people. The, there is rarely, I say rarely because some people are kind of crazy, but there is rarely an email that I get from a listener or somebody that I don't, I do not respond to almost immediately. The fact that that person listened to your show is amazing. And you need to make them feel amazing for listening. Right. And so 
like I said, military people are special. So initially I would get some people that are like, oh, hey, I love your show, but you did this one thing or you mispronounced this one word. I could have been very like offended and like, oh my God, I got to take that episode down or whatever. But I was just like, oh my God, I would respond to them in how I felt like, oh my God, thank you first so much for listening and for actually taking the time to find my email and provide this feedback. I will take this from now on and use it for the future. And they would be like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden you would see my Instagram, somebody new is following you. And it would normally be the person who just sent me an email because they were like, wow, you took the time to actually respond to me. So that is a, one of the things. Another thing that I do is I accept listener recommendation for topics like cases. So I think that that's a good way to get listeners as well is if you have a specific topic in your, on your podcast is if you ask listeners for suggestions, because people love it. I mean, you don't realize this. And, and I know I was like making it seem like, oh, my show's not very big. But to, to them, we are like their best friends. They're turning us on every single time they go to work in the morning. So we're like their best friend and we don't even know it, you know? And so when they take the time to kind of suggest a case and you pick it up and you're like, all right, I'm running with this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to interview this person if you, if you can, or if you're going to talk about a topic and just kind of mention them there. And then also one of the things I did was if people left reviews or leave reviews, I always give them shout outs on the show. I haven't done it so much anymore. And if I do that, I do it towards the end, but giving listener shout outs during the show, I think makes them feel special. I'm trying to think of other ways to listen, to grow, grow listeners. Yeah. I'm and you just, you, while you're thinking too, uh -huh. like you do a beautiful job with the listener shout outs and you're very genuine, sincere. And I've heard in several episodes, you'll say, Hey, we had a listener reach out and they, I made a mistake. So being very transparent and honest, that's, that's, I mean, the key and you do it so well. One thing you said that I want people getting into podcasters or there's something real called pod fade and pod fade is people who start a podcast. If you're listening and you don't know what that is, say so start a podcast, they're all excited. And then they peter out because it's discouraging at times, right? A mm -hmm. lot of work. Margo and I can be behind this mic and nobody knows it, but Margo's reading thousands of pages of content and she's listening to content to bring us one episode, mm -hmm. but she's alone most of that time. And when you're a listener, we love your feedback. And like Margo said, even sometimes if it's offensive or if it's, if it's complimentary, it's just nice to interact. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, interact as much as you can. Like Margo said, interact with your get with your guests. If you have guests with your listeners, interact with other, you know, colleagues in the same industry don't have that scarcity mentality have the abundant mentality there's enough mm -hmm. there is one thing you can't get enough of you can't get more time but okay. <laughs> with podcasts you can only listen to so many podcasts a day but still don't have the scarcity mentality if you have a good content and you're out there to help people like margo said it's just naturally going to come so don't be afraid to do swaps like don't be afraid to swap and advertise for each other because somebody just like there's days i love mma i love fighting but mm -hmm. i don't Every once in a while, I don't want to watch it. So right. I want something else. So Margo and I can team up and have a swap. And then there you go. You know, it's just that easy. But all right, Margo, I don't want to cut you off or talk too much or too little, but anything else you can think of? Like tips, like, man, this, I really saw a spike in this when I did this. No, I think I pretty much already talked about it. I, I will mention this though. 
social media is very scary at times and it does take take a lot of time and so I'm going to say something that I haven't done, but I've always said, I'm like, I'm going to do this one day, (laughs) Uh, but it's like when you're prepping your Kate, when you're prepping your episode, always prep your, your social media post right away, prep it. I mean, prep it, like whatever picture you're going to use or whatever little snippet you're going to write, because it's so much easier to kind of write it right then and there while you're still thinking about the topic. And and that may and that may save some time later. I am pretty good at just already always knowing what I want to say because I've researched. I spent like I don't know 30, 40 hours researching the case, and then another two hours recording it and then editing it. I already know what I want to say, so it's a little bit easier for me. But I always tell myself, I'm like, one day I'm going to do this all at once. <laughs> it's going to be less hard. <laughs> um, but I do think that if people have the time, that they they should do that to save some time. And then also don't kill yourself. I feel like in the beginning, I was like killing myself trying to do social media. And then somebody gave me good advice. They basically said, just focus on your content and people will come. You don't have to do a social media post every single day. There was like, there's like this belief that you have to do a social media post like every single day to get new followers or whatever. And I'm like, if I did a post every single day, that would take away from the actual, what I'm creating, which is the podcast. So I think that's one of the things that you just kind of have to realize in the beginning. Yeah, I agree completely. There's different schools of thought and it's like, I hate to say this, but it's like everybody has armpits. Most of them stink though, right? Everybody So there's people who say you can't have a good, any kind of company or organization unless you're posting on social media eight times a day. And I'm thinking to myself, who has time? Yeah. For one person shows or small organizations, you don't have the time or the manpower. Mm -hmm. And again, we can make money. We can make stuff. We can even get more friends. We can't get time back. So make sure whatever you're doing, you get return on investment. And like, Margo, you got great content. I'm glad you're not sacrificing content for freaking social media posts. Cause you know what guys like me aren't listening. We're not tweeting and looking at that stuff. We just want to hear your podcast and good content. All right, well, let's do this. You said you're a road girl. You love road mics, mm-hmm. right? Yep. What do you use? I use Buzzsprout for hosting. What do you use for hosting? So I was originally using Buzzsprout, which I, by the way, I absolutely love Buzzsprout. I, once they grow their show to help monetize a little bit better, I think that I I, I told them I would go back, <laughs> but I'm actually currently using Megaphone. Megaphone is, you know, they're focused on larger downloads, but they also have something called, uh, I, I believe it's called TM or, or MTM, where you can actually monetize your show. If you don't have sponsors in specific, uh, in specific slots, they will throw in some of their own kind of like ads, and then you get paid through that. So I just decided to switch to kind of see how else I can grow my show and, 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 and actually monetize it. Right. Cause at the end of the day, right. You, it would be amazing if you could do what you love and also make money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, my goal for the show is to glorify God and help people grow, mm-hmm. but I have sponsors. I don't know. Do you use sponsors too to pay all the hard costs? So yep. I don't take a penny for my time, but I have sponsors that pay all the bills. And I like, based on your model, it's different. Some people it costs five bucks an episode, you know, just your hosting fee. Some people, you know, mine costs a lot more than that because I, there's certain things we do to make it grow. And we give our, I love giving gifts. Like I'm a Mm -hmm. gift guy. Right. So like when you're done, you just tell me t-shirt or mug, whatever you want, we got it for (laughs) you. Right. So there's different things that you can do, but each, you have to know what's each episode costs and make sure you get your return on investment. And then you have to make sure you're delivering to your sponsors return on investment. 
Right. So there's a balance there. And like Margo was saying, if you're a smaller podcast and you can just say, I got a 21 second section, they can just pop an ad in dynamically and yep. then they can change it and rotate it. And depending on the, your type of show, again, that might work for Margot, but it doesn't work for me or vice versa. Right. But all right. So podcasting, you like road. Mm-hmm. You're with me. Buzzsprout's awesome. They're great people. I love awesome. Buzzsprout, but you went with Megaphone for your podcast hosting. What do you use for editing software? Do you use something like free out of the box, like Audacity? Or you no, used I, used script? To. <laughs> I used to use Audacity. And then one day I lost my show. What happened? There was oh, uh, no. some sort of glitch. This was early on. And I was like, uh-uh, can't do this anymore. So I use Adobe Audition. Okay. Adobe yep. Audition. Yep. Okay. Adobe Audition. Yeah. It's uh it does cost, it does cost money. I I got the whole Adobe suite or whatever it is. So that costs money, but it, it was I, it was worth it for me. So what is it about Adobe Edition? Like, is it easy to use? Is it fast? Or is it just, you know, it's going to save? I, I, I'm trying to think. I think it was everything about it. I don't know. It just seemed, it just seemed much more simpler to use versus the other one. And like I said, it was early on that I made the switch, but Adobe Audition just seemed uh, kind of like the Cadillac. I mean, you pay a premium, <laughs> but it, it seemed like the Cadillac of, of of, of editing softwares. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what else? Is there any other software or hardware that you got? Cause a lot of people have the misconception I have to buy expensive. Mm-hmm. And to me, I've seen firsthand, I have seen mics that were $15. Mm-hmm. My mic here, I get the whole sit set for like $130. And then I've seen mics that were $10,000, but really, yeah, super expensive. But what I've noticed is okay, this mic here is going to get me about 90% quality. Mm-hmm. I could buy a $5,000 mic and it gets me to 94%. It's really not worth it for the difference, you know? So is there any equipment that you've bought or purchased or any software? You're like, this really was the money, man. It saved me time and it, it just made life easy. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was if it was Audition or if it was this mic, but the mic is mostly because it's a dynamic, no, condenser. Sorry, I was making my mind. Yeah, dynamic and condenser. One is like the technology it uses picks up everything, and the yeah. condenser mic just goes right what's in front of it. Yep. When I when I switched to the condenser, it was literally night and day because, like I said, my kids would be on the other side of the house and I could hear them whispering. I was like, oh my god, this is so creepy. So this once I got this microphone, it really it was night night and day, night and day. So one hundred percent recommend um unless you have studio quality location get the condenser mic but that was that was really it i even got one of those when i went to podfest i won a whole bunch of stuff and i bought and i won one of those nice um, very good i won what is it called the the roadcaster it's like this little face face thing that you can record like four different people and you can add like sounds and you don't even need a computer to record it and it was it's really awesome it's like I don't know like a 700 hour thing and I won it and I was like this is so great and I never use it so I mean I think you just people need to focus on buying what they need at the moment and then once you start making money or whatever then you can splurge on something else but really just get the basics 
And once you start getting listeners or whatever, I mean, you want to get the basics, but also make a quality podcast. But as you, like you were talking about right now, you got $130 setup and your podcast is awesome. It sounds like you're in a studio. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. And everybody during COVID is, is recording from their houses in, in, in their, in their closets. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah. And that's so true. Like, again, don't get hung up on the details. Do. Take mm -hmm. what you have, take your concept, the vision, lay it out well, like Margot did. She had tons of research. She found her passion. She found her niche and she ran with it. Didn't just mm -hmm. think about it. She did it. And then one thing that you mentioned in this episode that I did also that I do believe is a huge, whenever I coach people or consult people, I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to sell you a website because our company, one of the things we do is we build websites, mm -hmm. but um, that's a small part, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I tell all podcasters, man, if you can have just a WordPress website, mm -hmm. you can do so much to optimize your site and to get that organic traffic and to leverage the website and interaction with customers and reach out. What did you do with your website? Did you just throw it up there or did have you done SEO and have you reposted content like how interactive are you with your or aggressive are you with your website oh i would say you're gonna hate me but <laughs> my, my website is more like an afterthought like i just did it i just did it because i was like people are gonna want to know like about me or about the podcast so i did it to kind of have a face for the podcast and because i saw that there were a lot of other podcasts that had it so i was like okay let me do this it, it was one of those things where you mimic it because you're like well maybe it'll work and it has worked it has worked to kind of uh, help me help people find the show because if you google one of the missing persons that i have that i have covered then my podcast is one of the first ones to come up so yep, and that's what i'm saying see and that's huge because you have a great content but if nobody knows about it what's it matter right right so exactly that website if you're listening i really am a strong believer in having a website because that way it's indexed when people search and the number one website one more website the number one search engine in the world is Google. Yep. Number two is YouTube. YouTube. Yep. And then Amazon. Mm -hmm. So as boggling as that sounds, even if you put a free ebook, put a yep. free ebook on Amazon, make sure you're on YouTube. Even like I was, Margo and I were joking before the show. I just started with YouTube in season two as a test. Mm -hmm. and we had a lot of minutes watched. Mm -hmm. So in season three, you're watching it now if you want, right? Yep. So your website really has done the job and driven you traffic then. Yep. Yeah. And then I, I bought like the Yoast uh, SEO, whatever. So I do some of it. I'm just not very smart on it. And like I said, I, it's kind of like an afterthought that where I'm like prepping it every last minute, like, oh, let me just throw this on there. And I also take the H the, the, I take the snippet, not the snippet, but I take the whole podcast episode and I put it on my website. So if someone just happens across my page about a missing soldier, they can be like, Oh, what's this? And they can just listen to it from automatically from my podcast, from my podcast website. Now, do you put transcripts on your website too? I don't, I, I had thought about putting the transcripts, but there's been some issues with a uh, true crime community and people kind of stealing people's work. And because I put so much work into it, I do put my resources so people know where I got the work from, but I, I didn't want to make it easy for people to kind of steal my content. Yeah. And like you said, you put 30 to 40 hours a week per episode. There's no need for that. So yeah, yeah that's if you're, if you don't have like Margo has a competitive area where they could steal your work, that actually helps with your SEO traffic too, because yeah. there's so many keywords and 40 pages of text. Yeah. So, okay. And then 
when you're doing your episodes, you get them out, you put show notes in. What's your philosophy on show notes? Short and sweet, or do you put a lot of detail and links? Oh no, short and sweet. <laughs> I basically just want to, I want the people, to, I want people to know what this is about. I also, you know, it's, it's really kind of interesting because I never really think about keywords because with true crime and when you have a background like mine, it's just almost automatic, right? It's like, what, what do you want? What do you want to know about this episode before you get into it? Clearly, I'm not going to give it away, right? I'm not going to give away who the killer is or whatever, right? Because that's part of the mystery of true crime. Um, but I'm gonna the butler in the garage with the candlestick. <laughs> exactly. Like people are gonna be like, okay, I don't care. Although it's weird, right? Because us true crime enthusiasts, how many times can you hear about OJ Simpson and you still freaking play another episode about OJ Simpson? It doesn't matter. People who like true crime are going to listen to it regardless. But I put it out there just like, Hey, in this year, you know, it's really short. And like I said, I always kind of have it already memorized because I spent so many hours in the week just thinking about that particular case. But what would I want to know? Hey, this Navy. And I always kind of specify what, what branch of the military it is. So whether it's Navy or whatever Marines, if it's a military spouse, and then I just kind of put the name in there. That way people can just do a little search in uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever, and then they can find the episode if they're looking for it. Awesome. All right. You got time. One more question. Then it's y'all. It's you. We're, anything else you want to add? Merchandising, 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 right? Mel Brooks, space balls. What do you use for merchandising? Like t-shirts and stickers and stuff. Like I'm a big fan of Printful. What, who do you use? Oh, Printful. No, I, I, I actually use Public because I shop from T public. So my husband, we always buy t-shirts for our, our, our siblings. And so he just, he, we always use T public. And so I had reached out to them and they, they also, they do, what is it called? Print to order, whatever it's called. And so I've been using them, but the only thing is I really want to find a merchandising website where I can embed it into my own website. So people can go to militarymurderpodcast.com slash merch and then shop directly from there. So I haven't found that yet. Although the other day I found one and now I has, I think it was, I forget what it was called, but I've been thinking about looking into the other one to kind of put it in there onto my website to make it look nicer. Yeah. And see, that's the thing for T public, you have the front face, but it doesn't integrate with your website. Printful it integrates perfectly with your website, but they don't have a front store. So it's like, who's going to come up with the combine, you know? Well, yeah, this so one I'm telling you about, I have to, I'll mess, I'll email it to you because I literally just found one. I forget what it's called. I wrote it down somewhere. Oh, cool. When you do that, I'll put it in the curriculum for the students too. So it's another resource mm -hmm. for them to check out. Definitely. Awesome. Well, Margo, you were fantastic. I love talking to you. We we're face to face, you know, or text know. and awesome. phone calls. Anything else you want to say about your life, about wisdom, words of wisdom, parting thoughts for our guests, tips for the life, not just the podcast or just <laughs> the podcast, whatever you want. Anything else you want to say before we go? Well, I think for people who are starting their podcasts in, in an effort to keep them from pod fading, regardless of what your topic is, I think you should, if you're going to go weekly, if you're going to go weekly or you're going to go, you know, twice a month or monthly, whatever, just write out the topics that you're going to talk about, at least for the first year, I know that sounds like a lot, but a year goes by super fast. And you would, I would hate for you to be stuck the day before your podcast episode is supposed to air. And you don't even know what you're going to talk about. I've listened to some podcasts like that. And um, I don't normally go back because they just seemed, they just seem unprepared and, and not interesting. And so you always want to just 
kind of have your have it laid out so you at least know. And I and I change my topics all the time, but I have 500 cases that I want to cover. So if I'm just like, oh, I'm just not feeling this particular case that I want to talk about because it's about kids or whatever, I don't feel like I want to talk about that. I just switch it. I just like, okay, I'm going to put this one away and I'm going to talk about this other case. But so long as you have something that you can reach out, you know, you can reach back. So that would be my thing about pod fading. But no, I just want to thank everybody if you got through all of this and you, you know, you enjoyed, you enjoyed the story. Like I said, my story is one of, it's basically one of faith, you know, one where I, even though I kind of, I kind of say it's not really worthy of telling, I think it's just a story that is, uh, that needs to be told, right? Because everyone has a, has an important story and especially how it got me to podcasting, right? Because a lot of people are like, wait, so you're a lawyer and now you have this, a podcast and that's so weird. But you know, everyone, everyone's journey is different. And so who knows, we'll see what, where this, where this leads me. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know it's going to, God's bringing you to great places. If you ever need anything, please just ask. I'd love to help. And we thank you for being here today. And ladies and gentlemen, stick around for another couple minutes. We've got an awesome offer for you from a sponsor and we will see you in the next episode. And between now and then, if you need us, just ask. And like our slogan says, like Margot says, don't just listen and think. But do repeat the good actions and have a great life. This is David Pascal with the Remarkable People Podcast, and that's Margo. Bye. Thanks again, Margo. <laughs> Thank you. Was that not remarkable? I love Margo, and I love her podcast, but I'm thankful God brought us together as friends, and we're able to learn and grow. I've already learned so much from Margo. I hope you did too. Now, if you want to th- continue your journey of podcasting, or if you thought, man, if Dave can do it, I can do it. And look at Margot; She's doing great. I can do that too. Or I want to do that. If you want to get in podcasting, I'm going to put a special offer just for our listeners. Please do not share this. But our podcasting made easy class is in over 30 countries right now. And we have students from all over the world learning to podcast and launching. And if you're interested, I'd love to have you in there too. So what I'm going to do is only for listeners, if you use the promo code RPP2021, you're going to get the entire $400 class with lifetime membership for only $20.21. That's it. Lifetime membership from zero to here on your podcast and you share your story with the world. And we need it, right? As iron sharpeneth iron, so the man, meaning mankind, the countenance of his friend. I want to hear your podcast. Margo wants to hear your podcast. So remember, RPP 2021, get the class. If you're a listener and are part of our community for only $20.21 for life. That's an easy decision. Check it out. Thank you for listening. Repeat this episode. Listen to it. Do the information you heard and have a great life. I'm David Pasqualone. This is the Remarkable People Podcast, and we can't wait to hear your remarkable story soon. Catch you next week. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat for life.